Welcome aboard to the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. Today is December 16th, and this is our 350th episode this year as we have been making our way through the Bible. Our goal is to be an encourager of your faith and delight in the Lord and the power of His Word. The writer of Hebrews reminds us to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And I want to stimulate the joy of discovering the person, the mind, the fellowship, and the love of God in the Word, especially celebrating the Word made flesh in whom we can behold His glory. My name is David McAdam, and I am delighted that you could join me today as we read the last half of the prophecy of Micah in the Old Testament and continue to read the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. As we are approaching the Christmas season, you will recognize Micah's prophecy announcing the birthplace of the Messiah. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. This is just one of more than 300 prophetic details we find in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of the Christ, the Messiah. We have seen the who, what, where, when, why, and how of his ministry predicted in the Old Testament scriptures. There are some who forget that the Old Testament scriptures, known as the Tanakh, was the Bible used by Jesus, the apostles, and the early church. It's not that they didn't like the New Testament, it's just that they didn't have it. And the New helps us understand the Old. You have heard it said, the new and the old concealed, and the old and the new revealed. So let's make the most of the remaining 15 days of our traveling through the Bible with fresh anticipation. Let's read the remaining half of the book of Micah in the Old Testament, and we will continue with the book of the Revelation in the New. We will be reading Micah chapters 5 through 7, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Ruler to be Born in Bethlehem Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, Then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. A remnant shall be delivered. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which, when it goes through, 
treads down and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. And in that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you, and will destroy your chariots, and I will cut off the cities of your land, and throw down all your strongholds, and I will cut off sorceries from your hand, and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes, and I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you, and you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will root out your Asherah images from among you, and destroy your cities, and in anger and wrath I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. Chapter 6 The Indictment of the Lord Hear what the Lord says, Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you, enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against His people, and He will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak king of Moab devised, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. What does the Lord require? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The Destruction of the Wicked The voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. Can I forget any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is accursed? Shall I acquit the man with wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? Your rich men are full of violence, your inhabitants speak lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore I strike you with a grievous blow, making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat, but not be satisfied, and there shall be hunger within you. You shall put away, but not preserve, and what you preserve I will give to the sword. You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but not drink wine. For you have kept the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab, and you have walked in their counsels, that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing, so you shall bear the scorn of my people. Chapter 7. Wait for the God of Salvation. Woe is me, for I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been gleaned, there is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. They all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. Their hands are on what is evil, to do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, 
and the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright of them a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman of your punishment has come. Now their confusion is at hand. Put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon His vindication. Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls. In that day the boundary shall be far extended. In that day they will come to you, from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. God's steadfast love and compassion. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, and this concludes the book of Micah. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. Micah accurately predicts the judgments coming upon the northern and southern kingdoms. Israel is captured by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., and Judah will be taken by the Babylonians more than 100 years later, in the years 606 B.C. through 596 B.C. Now muster yourselves in troops, daughters of troops. They have laid siege against us. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. Micah chapter 5 verse 1. Verse 1 most likely refers to the humiliation that Jerusalem and Judah experience when under siege from the Babylonians in the years 605 B.C. through 597 B.C. This was accurately predicted by Micah. He presents the bad news of their being taken into exile with the good news that one day a remnant will return. For now you will go out of the city, dwell in the field, and go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. 
There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Micah 4, verse 10. The biblical record agrees with the Babylonian chronicle, which states, quote, The seventh year, in the month Kislev, the king of Akkad mustered his army and marched to Hattu. He encamped against the city of Judah, and on the second day of the month Adar, he captured the city and seized its king. A king of his own choice he appointed in the city, and taking the vast tribute, he brought it into Babylon. End quote. Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem again in the years 589 through 586 BC. Zedekiah, the king of Judah, attempts to escape, but they are captured on the plains of Jericho and taken to Riblah. After seeing his sons put to death, Zedekiah has his eyes put out by the Babylonians and is taken captive to Babylon, remaining there until he dies. With a rod they will smite the judge of Israel. But Micah brings the good news in with the bad news. He gives a surprise prophecy concerning the birth of the Messiah. The promise gives hope for the future. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Micah 5, verse 2. Here he prophesies of eternity entering time. The servant that Isaiah spoke about the servant's son in Isaiah chapter 42, the servant soldier in Isaiah 49, the servant student in Isaiah 50, the servant who suffers as a substitute in Isaiah 53, will go forth from God to be ruler in Israel. And where will he be born? In the town of King David's birth, the place where the sheep for temple sacrifices were raised, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Bethlehem or Bethlehem means house of bread. The bread of life would be born here in the house of bread. Ephrathah means fruitfulness. Israel proved to be a false vine that failed to bring forth God-pleasing fruit. The true vine would be planted here to bring forth much fruit to the glory of God the Father. God gave the world His promised King in Jesus of Nazareth. But the world rejected Him. He came to His own, but His own received Him not. But as many as received Him... To them he gave the legal right to become children of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. But God is not finished with the world. Jesus reigns at the right hand of God the Father and will return as this world's judge at the end of the age. He will reign in righteousness. At that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. Micah, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. The prophecy that he will deliver from the Assyrian refers to a future time when the Lord delivers Israel from her enemies in Micah chapter 5 verse 6. The northern kingdom certainly was not delivered from the Assyrian invasion, but there will be a greater deliverance when this happens in the future. The ruler who is born in Bethlehem will be the one who defeats the enemy nations that attack Israel in the battle of Armageddon. Jesus is the he of verse 6. They will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he will deliver us from the Assyrian when he attacks our land and when he tramples our territory. Like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2, Micah prophesies that the Lord is calling his people to account. He voices his accusations against Israel and calls upon creation to witness his charges, just as we saw in Isaiah chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. In Micah chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, we read, My people, what have I done to you, and how have I wearied you? Answer me, 
Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and ransomed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. The Lord is looking for deep repentance that will bring forth the fruit of righteousness. What does that look like? We see it in Christ. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. A test of whether we are in a right relationship with God will be our relationship with our fellow man and our changed life that exhibits an ongoing humble walk with God. Those who know the meaning of the cross will recognize the justice and mercy of God. They will also seek to promote the expression of justice and mercy in the world. God's people cannot justify themselves. The Lord makes the case that, in the light of His justice, we all deserve punishment for our sins. In Micah chapter 6, verse 16, the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab are observed, and in their devices you walk. Therefore, I will give you up for destruction and your inhabitants for derision, and you will bear the reproach of my people. But in chapter 7, we read of true penitence. A repentant remnant in Israel will recognize that they are receiving their due punishment and will plead for his mercy. Listen to this confession. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. He will bring me out to the light and I will see his righteousness. Micah chapter 7 verse 9. Here is true penitence. Repentance is more than remorse. In remorse, a man is merely sorry for himself and the suffering his sin has brought to him personally. In penitence, a man is sorry for what the wrong his sin has done to God. He bears the indignation and suffering, confident that God is using the chastisement to cleanse him and set him free from his sin. One day, Israel will recognize what their sin has done to the Messiah. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, we read, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 7 verses 1 through 17. The 144,000 of Israel sealed. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 
12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament from the book of Revelation. At the opening of the sixth seal, the rhetorical question was asked, Who is able to stand in the day of wrath? The answer is found in this interlude prior to the opening of the seventh seal. In verses 1 through 8, we are told of the 144,000 from the twelve tribes who are divinely sealed in the Great Tribulation, indicating God's ownership and protection. Some see this as symbolic of all God's followers. The number is 12 times 12 times 1,000, 12 being a number identified with God's people. Yet the scriptures speak of 12,000 out of each of the twelve tribes. Throughout the book of Revelation, the church leaders are referred to as apostles. It is more likely that these are true Hebrew believers, converted to Christ in the tribulation period, who are sent as God's messengers with the gospel. It is possible that these servants fulfill Jesus' promise of bringing the witness of the gospel to the nations before the end will come, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. God still has a plan for Israel. When He makes a promise, He does not cancel it and give it to someone else. It was not until after 160 A.D. that there is any record of an interpretation that identifies the church with Israel. The 144,000 are from the twelve tribes of Israel and are sealed on the earth. In verses 9 through 17, we read of an innumerable company in heaven. The Lamb of God died to purchase for God with His blood people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The people here are described similarly. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. The Apostle John asked the question, Who are these people? In verses 13 and 14, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they, and where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
They are standing before the throne. They are not in purgatory, nor are they sleeping in their graves. They are perfected in Christ, clothed with robes made white by the blood of the Lamb. They carry palm branches, which are symbols of victory. This picture tells us a lot about heaven. When you see your loved ones in heaven, they are not going to ask how you are, but they will be telling you of the glories of Christ, the Lamb of God, and Him who sits on the throne. This is a great description of the future for believers. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no more, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Revelation chapter 7, verses 15 through 17. I know it's hard to pull away from the book of Revelation, but we must go on to the book of Psalms now for our next stop in our Bible reading tour. Psalm 135, verses 1 through 21. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures for ever, your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, they have eyes but do not see, they have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. What do we glean from Psalm 135? The Lord is worthy to be praised. He is good. He has called us to himself by grace. He is sovereign over all. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deeps. Psalm 135, verse 6. The psalmist then recounts all the great things that God has done in the history of Israel. It also affirms his role as the final judge in all things and will expose the idols of this world. People become like the gods they worship, mute, deaf, blind, and dead. The idols of the nations are but silver and gold, the work of man's hands, in verse 15. Those who make them will be like them, yes, everyone who trusts in them, in verse 18. Now we move on to our final stop in today's excursion, the book of Proverbs, 
chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. The word of God has been tested and proved trustworthy. There is no dross or alloy in it. It is unadulterated truth. There is nothing deceitful or false in it. The word of the Lord is reliable because the Lord of the word is reliable. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Not only are we reminded of the inerrancy and infallibility of God's word, we are reminded of its sufficiency in verse 6. We dare not twist or add to it. We do not handle the word of God deceitfully, manipulating it to serve our desires, further our agendas, or support our own ideas, practices that are far too common. If we do so, our distortions will one day be exposed, we will be found to be liars, and we will be rebuked by the solid reality of God's self-revelation. Verse 6 reminds us of other warnings in the Bible. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, or as we will read later on in the book of Revelation, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. Now let's pray in the light of what we have just read. Lord, we put our trust in you, for you are good and worthy of praise. As our sovereign God, you do what is right and pleases you. We worship your ways, even when we cannot comprehend them sometimes. You chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, and you demonstrated your justice and mercy, accomplishing such a great salvation on our behalf. May your Spirit give us courage to witness to our world the truth about your justice and mercy, through our words and through our actions. May we lift high the cross and proclaim your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a blessing to read God's Word with you today, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we start a new book in the Old Testament, the book of Nahum, and we continue in the books of Revelation, Psalms, and Proverbs. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may you continue to be being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving Him praise. All you servants of the Lord, may you know His peace. Shalom. Shalom.